0: Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, we give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard.
1: Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and joining me is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How are you doing today, Cecil? Doing pretty good, Richie. How have you been? Good. And it seems like since our last episode, we've gone an entire season without having another episode out. So here we go. <laughs> Here's our seasonal episode of Away from the Keyboard. Yep, yeah, it's that time again. We're back. But this one is a really good one, though.
2: So I have no problem like making people wait for this one a little bit.
1: You know, I, I don't want to be like a lot of people like hyping up every guest. And this might be my favorite conversation out of eight episodes of Away from the Keyboard. I love this conversation.
2: Yeah, this one this one was really amazing. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what people think about it after they get to hear it
1: too. But speaking of the summer, what did you do this summer, man?
2: Man, you know, it feels like summer was so short. It like was. I I opened my eyes and I closed them and then summer was done. And that's kind of <laughs> how I feel like what happened. Blink and you miss it. But um this summer actually one of my first trip by a plane, you know, ever since the pandemic started. So this is this is the first time that you know, we went to Texas, to Austin, Texas. That was really dope. Uh, my sister was out there, so hung out with her, saw some friends. I can tell you I was, like, extremely paranoid the entire time. Like, I'm going in the airplane. I'm, like, looking at everybody, like, looking at the seat, wiping everything down. I'm, like, my son was with me. I'm, like, don't touch anything. Don't touch anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, like, that conspiracy theory guy where everyone's out to get you kind of thing. But, hey, I made it back. We're alive. No one got COVID, (laughs) so so it was it was great. I mean, it definitely did feel good to have like a change of scenery. Always is is just kind of good to to clear the mind for sure after being in my own house and like staring at these walls for the past year and a half.
1: Well, you did go from one hot zone to another, so the the plane was probably the safest place for you. (laughs) It probably was.
2: It probably was. How was your summer though? What did you
1: do? Oh wow, we we two left um, beautiful Miami, and we spent an entire month in Orlando and my uh, youngest, who's 11, she spent the entire month training with a former U.S. men's national team player, Eddie Johnson. And when I tell you that this was unlike any other training that she's ever been to, now mind you, she's, she'd been training with Eddie for almost two years now, but this was every day, for six hours a day. This was probably the closest thing to professional level training I've ever seen. And to see some of the, these kids that she was up against, they're phenomenal. So she had a full month of just soccer. She was in heaven. She had a she had a great summer. She loved it.
2: Six hours a day. That sounds six, crazy intense.
1: So I, I went and did math because I'm a programmer. And it turns out that the amount of hours that she had just training with Eddie for that for that month. Was equivalent to an entire season of training, three days a week, an hour and a half a week. She essentially had an entire season of training in one month. That's crazy. Yeah, but
2: I'm sure you're seeing like the benefits of it, right? Like, is she feeling better? She's more comfortable with the ball and all that type of stuff.
1: Absolutely. She, um, you know, and these 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 kids are amazing. These are some of the best kids in the country. She came out of it, and just from day one to to, to day thirty, it, she's completely different. And just the way that just her attitude and it really wasn't her skill that improved, but her attitude, you know, improved. And that, that's, that's huge. It's tough for an 11 year old girl to, to get kind of a killer attitude. She, she changed it because I'm sorry, when you go in an environment like that, it's killer be killed. I mean, either you're going to run people over or they're going to run over you. There's no middle ground
2: there. Right. Right.
1: You know, I have more respect now for professional athletes after seeing, you know, these, Nine, 10, 11, 12 year old boys and girls train, and how much effort you need to be put into it to be a professional athlete. And they're not, they're just beginning their journey, but they're being trained by someone who spent, you know, 15 years of his life in the professionals playing in England and all over the world, playing for the the national team and playing against Messi and Ronaldo and all these top players. And he knows what it takes and he's putting them through their paces to make them. The best player that they could be, and so that they could possibly go to college and play, and or professional, whatever that is. And I just have so much respect for for anyone who plays at a professional level. I don't care if you're a woman playing soccer or if you're, you know, playing in Major League Baseball, whatever. That is hard, hard stuff to do. That's crazy. So, who are we talking to today? (laughs) The weirdest transition ever. Uh, So
2: today, today we're talking to our good friend, Chloe Condon. So Chloe is a Bay Area based cloud advocate for Microsoft. Previously, she worked for Century.io, where she created the award winning Century Scouts program. And she was also featured in the Grace Hopper Conference 2018 gallery, featuring 15 influential women in STEM by AnitaB.org. Uh, Chloe holds a B.A. in drama from San Francisco State University and is a graduate of Hackbright Academy. She prides herself in being a non-traditional background engineer and is likely one of the only engineers who has ever played an ogre, crayon, and the back end of a cow on the professional <laughs> stage. <laughs> okay. Uh, she hopes to bring more artists into tech and more
1: engineers into the arts. Do you ever think that anitab.org is anitabaker.org? I was about to say anitabaker.org, yeah. but I was just like, what? Giving what is you the best that I've got, baby. <laughs> this episode was recorded on February 12th, 2021. And I'm so sorry it's so late getting to you guys. But now you have our conversation with Chloe Condon.
0: And now, away from the keyboards feature conversation.
2: we can finally kind of get into it so um but yeah so pretty much we're just gonna chop it up right um only want to talk to you a little bit about your history and background and technology um you know i was just telling richie before you came on like you have a very non-traditional path into technology oh, yes. so i should I definitely... not be
0: working in this industry <laughs> by any means it's all by chance so
2: <laughs> yeah so we want to we want to dig into that right like let's go from you know the early days and kind of bring everybody up to speed up until this point and sure and, and we'll see whatever happens right everything else is kind of just up in the air
0: yeah um, i'm sure we'll get around to it but like i was listening to um a couple previous episodes happy to talk about that i'm i won't say it on the show but um i'm starting i don't know if sarah because you had sarah Gethels on the show recently right yes
2: Sarah was on a couple weeks ago her, her episode is so- not out yet, but we have her a-
1: I'm still editing it.
0: <laughs> Sarah and I on the DL um, in a couple weeks are going to be starting to record a podcast that's all about 90s and early 2000s. Like Disney Channel original movies and like Nicktoons and stuff like that. So oh, if nice. you want to talk about any of that, I'm a weird toy collector connoisseur of all of that weird pop culture oh stuff. We, we
1: <laughs> it's it. like I am, it. I am like way out of that demo. Like I had already been past Disney Channel stuff, but I watch that stuff anyway
0: oh yeah i mean i i literally right now so cecil knows this i've I've just started twitch streaming because um i've been wanting to like keep it my my twitch streaming stuff very separate from work and i just started making beanie baby taxidermy where i like bought these little taxidermy things <laughs> and i'm mounting beanie babies on them so it's my whole aesthetic at this point <laughs>
2: yeah this is gonna work out perfectly
0: <laughs> yeah because cause i was thinking like oh yeah what do i do outside of work and i was like i'm like a weird <laughs> up sid from toy story but like <laughs> a lot more <laughs> gentle and kind
1: <laughs> that's awesome so we're going to be talking about uh xenon for the rest of the, oh, the hour yeah. right
0: that's on the list that's on the episode list <laughs>
2: I feel like I got to look that up. What is that? What are you talking about? Do you know the
0: song Zoom, 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 make my heart go boom, boom? Because if not, probably not. So it it was a show that had Raven-Symoné for only one of them. They replaced her with another... Black girl for the second one or the first one. And it was a girl who lived in the future, who lived on a space station. And I was literally just talking about this last night on Twitch because I was obsessed as a kid with that they could video chat. I was like, oh my God, it would be my dream if I could video chat with a friend. And now I do that for work all day. (laughs) And I'm like, I ain't this. (laughs) It's like
1: they're at Epcot Center. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I uh, I love all that stuff. So I'm happy. I could wax Palatoc on Xenon for like three hours, which is why Sarah and I are starting this show because we're just like, we have this insane knowledge of all this stuff and we like can't wait to do deep dives into it. <laughs> we have to amazing. record this.
2: Like, Let's get a show. You have that.
0: to be guests on it. Like we're, we're basically bringing people on and letting them choose. Like, so we have a whole list, like an exhaustive list of like, good burger and like you know everything like literally everything under the sun from like disney channel original movies to like the cartoons so it's gonna be really fun <laughs> That's gonna be awesome. when
2: are you when are you guys starting though
0: so we just so i just as you know cecil just got my computer last week my my new macbook so we're starting to record we went back and forth on if we wanted it to be video or podcast and i think we've like settled on a podcast and we're starting to record episodes maybe next week um oh, nice. so i'll send you our list and y'all can pick what episode you want to come on <laughs> i'm so yeah, excited cool. to do it you,
1: you know what <laughs> i'm a, i'm embarrassed to say that i know more 80s disney channel than i do 90s Disney. Channel.
0: oh that's fine we'll be covering all like is... the list because you like teen witches on there because they used to play like these 80s movies on the disney channel so like there you'll be fine you'll you'll be able to pick out at least five <laughs> from our 200 short lists that we've made
2: <laughs> nice nice that should be cool yeah definitely let us know man um i definitely love to to come on and even just like just check it out and listen to it we
0: haven't like officially settled on this title but we think we're gonna call it the child detective society because we kept noticing that like all of these 90s and like like series we're basically grooming us to be detectives like harriet the spy and like spy kids and all this stuff so it'll be it'll be fun it's 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 our fun little outside of work project are you are
1: you trying to say that the disney channel has groomed us all to be web sleuths
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) that's canon (laughs) oh my god
1: that explains so much yeah. Explains yeah. like,
0: so much. Get a clue. Like I like we've just basically went through our list and we're like, wait a second, there's a theme here. Like most of them have to do with being a kid spy. And we're like, that's the show. <laughs> nice.
1: you, you know, uh Cecil, there's a hotel in LA named after you. You know that, right?
2: Yeah, hotel Cecil. But they say it the wrong way though. They don't say it the right way. They say yeah. it's the Cecil, Cecil Hotel or something like Cecil. that. And like, no, they just that's not me. Had,
1: and they just did a Netflix, they just released a Netflix documentary on one of the cases from hotel Cecil Spooning. I saw that I want to watch that I'm gonna watch that tonight it it's it's good it, it does not go into any of the supernatural stuff that goes on into the in, into the the history of of the hotel Cecil it really focuses around just one case and that's it
0: April and I are really obsessed with that stuff <laughs> April can come back for a mystery hotel Cecil episode
1: <laughs> oh, oh my gosh I, yeah I I mean I'm like true crime podcast I, I just I I just I eat it up that's I just
0: finished uh, the Golden State Killer uh, documentary. Oh. Pretty crazy. Also, really weird to watch it because, you know, with my knowledge of kids' television, like Pat Oswald talking through the whole thing, I'm like, Remy? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
1: it, that was a really great doc. It, and it was one of those docs where, you know, you look at a true crime and you're expecting, hey, you know, uh, I want to you know, see who did it when. But that was really a heart string tug rip your heart out type thing because of the whole situation that went in and then finishing his 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 his, uh his wife's work oh man yeah
0: so nice when they solve it i'm like yes (laughs) (laughs) i don't know we'll probably not talk about it on the show but it's worth mentioning that i was a dramatic reenactment actor on the show disappeared back in college so like before true crime podcasts were even a thing i was reenacting them on discovery channel id for people at
1: home wow
0: yeah i've had such weird jobs y'all we'll get into it but i've had some weird ass jobs
2: well why don't we why don't we start at the beginning
1: then Let's Like do I, it. I thought we were already soaking in it man <laughs> well i feel like i feel like we fast forwarded into the future but i kind of want to go did, back we did well, we yeah. did. It was xenon. It was, that's
2: what it was. <laughs> I could talk to people on my phone.
0: <gasps> <Yeah>. So amazing. <laughs> it's amazing! And I had I drove like my my first and only car I've ever had was a VW Beetle, a yellow one. And in xenon, they only drove Beetles. So I was like, this is the future.
1: <laughs> now, now, when you were thirteen, did you turn into a a a, a mermaid? Merman. Did, did that <laughs> Mermaid
0: Thirteenth uh, year. Uh yeah, that's on the list. No, did not turn into a mermaid. That was Wish so that terrible. Had.
1: That was like, <laughs> that was the worst. And it's gotta be like the worst Disney Channel movie.
0: A metaphor for, for puberty as done by Disney so Channel. Bad. <laughs> yeah, we're actually really interested, like part of the show that would we'll be talking about stuff is we can't help but notice that most of the protagonists in most of these Disney Channel films were men, like going through things in like oh. smart home and like you know, so that's going to be the really fun part—is breaking down. Like, we want to discover. Like, does it pass the Bechdel test? Like, is it? Like, there's a lot to explore yes. there. Because Sarah and I have an interest in in Cecil too, and in getting into like children's television programming because it affected us so much growing up. So, yeah, it's kind of like part to share with the world, but part like a serious case study into how to make children's TV shows better.
1: Man, even yeah. even if you think about it, like a uh, High School Musical, that was mainly all male driven.
0: And it was very driven by like, yeah, I don't think it would pass the Bechdel test. I don't think that any women in the show talk to each other about something other than I haven't seen the new one, though. And the new Saved by the Bell is awesome and stuff. So I like have hope for some of these new revamps. But, you know,
1: <laughs> I, I liked I liked the High School Musical musical. I, I liked mm-hmm. it a lot. I, I, I did. My, my musical theater daughter d- doesn't like it. And I'm like, I don't know how. <laughs>
0: We're soaring, yeah. Some of the songs slap. <laughs>
1: it's true. It's true.
0: There's some good TikToks about High School Musical now that I'll send along. Now that I know this about you, Richie, I'm like, <laughs> got some you memes to send. You guys are gonna to
1: send be send like you. best friends. I swear. Well, to well I, I, you know, I, I, I too was was formed by Disney even early on by the the early an- animation, Mickey Mouse cartoons, and and movies and whatnot. Even to the point where I was a kid, it's like, I really wanted to work at Disney World. I mean, that was my favorite place in the world is Epcot Center. Same, same. And so (laughs) when I was in college, I was in the college program.
0: (gasps) Oh, my gosh. I'm so jealous. See, I auditioned for Disney Cruise Line once. Wait, I should probably... Are we doing the show? Is this the show? Should I wait to tell this story? No. (laughs) Okay, because I used to... So my dream was to work for Disney back in the day, because as an actress, it's so rare to find a job that'll give you like benefits and like a full time job. Typically, if you're doing theater, you know, you need a job Monday through Friday, nine to five, because theater is only nights and weekends. So my dream was two different jobs out of college. One was this. It's so funny to think of like that. This is like my dream. But I really wanted this job with Kaiser Permanente or Kaiser Permanente, which is a hospital slash like doctor's office out in California and other places, because there was a touring, it was like the actor's dream in the Bay Area because you would tour to schools for field trips and do these like nightmare on puberty street or like how to eat your vegetable (laughs) shows. It's like, oh my God, this is a rap about how to grow up and how to go through effectively like just the wildest <laughs> job in the world but I wanted it so bad because it would mean I would be a full-time performer with health insurance with benefits like a full-time job but I didn't get that um and and so then I my other dream job that I wanted was working for Disneyland and I auditioned for Disney Cruise Line once I got really close I was actually called back for Sid from Toy Story which is really ironic because I take apart toys now and do a bunch (laughs) of stuff with that um but it's it's really funny because I I didn't get a tattoo for the longest time because I was like that there's a strict strict policy for being a face character at disneyland like you can't have any visible tattoos you need a natural hair color nope. um you have to be a certain height so i couldn't yep. play certain princesses i could only play you know snow white and alice and like Wendy, the children yep. some five two so it was it was brutal because you would walk, go to these auditions and they would literally walk down a line and type you out and be like no 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 yes no <laughs> So when when people ask me like how do you deal with rejection in tech with like you know jobs or giving talks and stuff I'm like are you kidding me like this is nothing <laughs> like no one's telling me I'm too fat or too thin or whatever it's it's nothing at that point <laughs> I swear that like because I I still follow a lot of um, women who are like the same age as me who kept doing theater because I I stopped doing it like five or six years ago but I truly do believe had I stayed on the path that I was on. I would be unemployed right now because I would either have been playing Anna and Frozen Live at the Hyperion at Disney California Adventure, or I'd be working for <laughs> Disney Cruise Line because all of those girls that I used to audition with like, are, were, are now out of work because of those things. And it's like, oh, wow, like, I made a good decision to give up my dream of being a princess, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, I had that same conversation with my daughter yesterday. It's like, OK, what, if, what has everyone in musical theater been doing for the last year?
0: Yeah, well it's it's crazy because I think before I got into tech I didn't really understand how much like tech informs every single thing that we do. I think the biggest kind of takeaway from going to a boot camp and, and learning how to code and coming from an arts background is seeing all these ways that in the arts things are going to be changing over time. Like I think about VR experiences with live theater or even just the little bit of like IOT and light up things that we're seeing in with drag queens even or costuming right now. Um, so it makes me really excited to like be able to now have this knowledge and bring that to theater. But of course, as someone who worked as an actor and my, you know, my dad is a director and my mom was a costume designer. Like my heart is just, breaking because i know so many people like yeah. broadway has been completely been shut yeah. down this whole time yeah, right. um and i think i just read something this morning that disneyland is planning to be closed for another year and i'm like wow like had i truly had i not made this career transition i would be living at home with my dad right now probably like but i don't you
1: could go to disney world today
0: i know right <laughs> <laughs> or universal for that matter oh my God.
1: we are such a dumpster fire here yeah. <laughs> is, it
2: is so crazy to me <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I do miss theme parks. I Actually, that was like my early uh, rabbit hole, internet rabbit hole that I went on early in the pandemic was (laughs) I discovered I had not, I was watching all of these videos of Disneyland or Disney World rides because I'd never been to Disney World. And I went on this rabbit hole of rides that don't exist anymore. So they turned Mickey and Minnie's Railway into that, um, or Mickey and Minnie's Railway used to be that Hollywood movie movie magic thing. Yeah, and I was like, I'm so upset I never got to go on this. So I was just like watching all the different walkthroughs of it and stuff. And then I went down this rabbit hole of the the Lilo and Stitch or the Stitch Escape one used to be this really scary like Aliens inspired. Alien encounter. Yeah. And so I've been reading up on all the histories of these rides and stuff. And that's been my quarantine basically.
1: I, I, I will say the alien encounter, the first time I wrote it was really the only time I got removed from the park, right? I like I <laughs> I forgot I was at a Disney park. I was horrified. Do you know and the I'm- history behind it? Yeah.
0: That basically like the guy who built it was just like I want to make something scary for my son. Like he yep. doesn't think anything's cool here. And it's like, yep. "Well, here you go." <laughs> well,
1: that was that was Eisner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was Eisner, and then it was too scary. And they <laughs> yeah. and they had to they had to back it off. So they had opened up for like a few weeks and then they had to back it off because it was too scary. Yeah, it, I mean, and literally it it, it, it it was horrifying. I mean I had to like halfway through because they the lights are all out, you, you feel the breath on the back of your neck, they nope. had the, the binaural sound, <laughs> you know, so you could hear the thing up above you, you could hear it behind you. Um, you know, they had the the blowing of the hot air on the back of your neck. I mean it was I actually told myself I'm at Disney World. I'm at Disney. World. I'm at Disney World. And <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. There's no yeah.
0: place like home. They
1: they, 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 they. You know, at the end, they sprayed water on you like it was like the blood. Oh, of the no. alien. I mean, can you was... imagine
0: that? And now, like in the middle of a global panera, like yeah, I know, <laughs> having <right? laughs> like water being sprayed in your face. Oh my god! <laughs>
1: and and the other cool thing about that ride that I always found is that they had um, audio that it made it sound like the audience oh like my gosh. like someone you know they you show the alien Yeah, it's like ah. people
0: screaming and in, in other yeah. parts of the theater
1: yeah and it was audio and actually played it's like it's my mother-in-law you know <laughs> just to <a, a> lighten <laughs> it up a little bit you know and so when they sprayed it at the end and it's like so you know you hear the audio in the back like it's someone behind you saying my mouth was open you know yeah. so they, they, they tried to lighten it up like remind you like oh we're at Disney World haha ha. but it, 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 yeah the first time it, it, but really that was a one trick pony right so you sat down you got horrified and then go back again and it kind of lost all, all the luster right so you ride it once and that was it
2: yeah. that's kind of like every horror thing right like once you know yeah. what's, what's coming you're like oh okay this guy's gonna like breathe in the back of my neck there's gonna be wet stuff yeah. and hot air okay I know what's happening right so it kind of loses like the punch a little
0: bit I would have been so scared. I was like so fascinated and scared by aliens as a kid that I don't think I could have handled it. Like I thought Mars Attacks was a horror movie until a couple years ago. <laughs> and I watched it and I was like this is a Tim Burton film and it's a comedy? Like I've been living my whole life being terrified of this film. <laughs> Sorry, crazy. I've turned this sh- I've turned this into a a I've turned this into my show, a nostalgic <laughs>
1: I mean, it kind of is your show, right? <laughs> yeah, it kind of is point. your show. It's whatever you want it to be. I mean, you want to talk more about Lemonade Mouth, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: no, that's totally the
2: point, though. Like, we want you to come on and kind of just, like, give us, like, the Chlory experience. You know what I mean? Like, whatever that looks like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, well. It looks I, like an
1: extinct Disney
0: attraction. <laughs> it is. I'm just a database of extinct Disney facts and Nickelodeon it's, it's facts. It's rocket
1: rods. It's what it is.
0: Well, it's like, it's so important to me too, because I think about how much all of this stuff influenced me into the person that I am today. And I look at what's on TV now, or not even just TV, like YouTube, right? Like Cecil and I have talked about this a lot. I don't have kids, but I have a lot of friends with kids. And back before the pandemic I would go over to their house and they would like just put stuff on like baby shark and I'm like what is this this is like why are we showing this to our kids so um I have I feel this big responsibility to cre- somehow be I want to somehow be making decisions and creating content that kids can be consuming specifically when it comes to STEM, because the whole reason that I'm even here is, um, I, I heard a talk at Google when I was working at, well, let's see, should I start from the beginning? Maybe I should start from the beginning to give like the full picture.
2: Sure. Let's
0: let's (laughs) go. go. Okay. So I um, I grew up in a theatrical family. Um, my dad is a playwright slash director, and my mom was a costume designer and graphic designer. So I, I grew up in the theater, like was always in the casting room, was working in the box office, was in the you know costume room. Um, that was my life for a really, really long time. And I went to theater camp every summer, and I really, really like wanted to be an actress, um, and I had my blinders on pretty much. I, I ended up going to a performing arts high school, um, and I, I, my mom died when I was in college, so my grades were not great, and I didn't really have anybody in my life to come to me and say like hey do you know how much you're going to make as an actress do you know what this lifestyle is like like I had just kind of grown up in the theater thinking you know this is this is something that I can do and my my dad was very encouraging of it so I went to San Francisco State and I got a degree in theater performance and drama as my boyfriend loves to remind me when I'm being dramatic um and yeah once I graduated uh I basically had the option um to start auditioning, <laughs> and, which I did. Um, and I was working various jobs during college. Like I worked at the Disney store as a Disney store employee. I worked at J. Crew. I worked at the YMCA as like a program manager. Um, I did a bunch of summer camp stuff. And then when I graduated and I got my first like big starring role in Xanadu the musical. And I'm telling you, like... My, there was a cardboard cutout of me in the lobby. I would go onto the muni bus and there would be like newspapers with my picture in it. Like I had made it as far as <laughs> Bay Area theater was concerned, but they gave me my check and it was for $500 for like three or four months of my work. And I was like, well, I guess I need a day job. <laughs> and no one really tells you that, right? I mean, I, I'm sure that some people's parents maybe did or, or maybe, you know, like I, I'm... I'm shocked that no one ever had this conversation with me, but um, yeah, that's kind of how I I ended up thinking, oh, well, I'll get a job at Disney or I'll get a job at Kaiser Permanente and their traveling field trip show, but that didn't really happen for me. So my first job actually uh, out of college, and believe it or not, y'all, I got this interview from a Craigslist posting, was working as an account executive at Yelp, which basically meant phone call sales at Yelp. <laughs> and um so i was cold calling people so i was working by night like it was a very like superman complex thing because by night i was like performing to standing ovations and all this fabulous costume and makeup and by day i i was like crying in the bathroom <laughs> because i was having to sell and this was yelp pre ipo too so it's like hi would you like to buy a uh, you know some uh a Premium Yelp account, and I had Kansas City as my location, and they'd be like, "What are you talking about? What's a Yelp? This is illegal. You can't have a website for us. Like we didn't make this." and I'm like, "Oh, actually, if you just take a moment and sit down at your computer," and they're like, "We're a lemonade stand on the side of the road. Like, what are you talking about, lady?" <laughs> um. So, but that was my first intro to tech. Like, I had worked in you know nonprofit and theater stuff my whole life, and I, y'all, when they were like, "Hey, you can take any sandwich or deli meat that you want from this fridge, and here's some free LaCroix," I was like excuse me, like, you're giving me free food? Because in theater, we were lucky if we got a slice of pizza at rehearsal, you know, like, we were barely, if you've ever worked on the performing arts or the arts in general, there's just, like, not a lot of funding for it. So just even getting that very small taste of, like, the tech world. I mean, we all work in tech. We know, like, how many freaking free tote bags and shirts and Mm -hmm. things that we get. But, like, I, you know, when I was in this industry, I felt like Annie in Warbucks Mansion or something. I was like, all of this is free and I can drink this water and, like, you're not going to. So that really kind of sparked something in me. And I worked literally every technical job you can think of other than engineering. I was an office manager. I was a recruiter. I worked as I worked in video game customer support for two years at Kicksai, working in VIP customer support. So like people who spent over $30,000 on a Facebook game. So like I did everything but engineering for the longest, longest time. And it wasn't until I was working as an executive assistant to John Battelle, who was running um, NuCo, which was this really cool company that basically did conferences in the city versus like, in a conference venue so like co event in you know silicon valley instead of like going to a conference venue you would like go inside the startups and hear like different talks and for this particular one that i was just tagging along for as an assistant um i got to choose a couple talks that i saw that day and there was one at google so i was like oh my god i gotta go to the google campus because like i gotta see what this is like <laughs> and of course it was in the most boring building on the google campus but the talk was all about Getting young women, specifically, you know, uh, teenagers, preteens, kids interested in programming by adding more female characters to like Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, just pop culture in general. And I was sitting there and I was like, okay, interesting. You know, where was this when I was a kid? Um, And I started thinking about it and I was like, the only female influence that I had in the engineering world was Gadget from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yes. that's a problem, right? Because that's a chipmunk, and it's a cartoon. Like there are no <laughs> women in STEM that I could have even just like been like, oh, is that something I can do? Like it's so true, right? So I go home, and uh, my boyfriend, who I had. Just started dating at the time uh has worked in this as an engineer in this industry a long time and i kind of lamented to him wow my ship is sailed you know i wish because i was furiously googling girls who code in this talk going like is this you know am i too old you know and i was like oh my god i wish that i'd learned to code and he was like you know you still can right like there's online resources and it literally all I didn't even know I I had no exposure to engineering I didn't even know what engineering really was Um, I just knew it was like these guys that rolled in at like 11 when I was an (laughs) office manager and they wore a lot of Patagonia like they were nice but I didn't know what the heck they did on their computers so that is why I am so like loud and proud and obnoxious about my background and about getting other people into this industry and specifically passionate about children's um, entertainment that involves, you know, characters that don't, <laughs> that represent, like, you know, people, real people doing STEM work, because I certainly had no idea this even existed. Like, I shouldn't be working in this industry had I not been in the right place at the right time. I do not think I would be working at Microsoft in a senior role by, by any means, but um, it was just... It was the right timing, <laughs> really. And I was in the right place at the right time. And I'm so glad that I found it. But I don't want it to be hard for anyone else. I want people to know that this is an option for them a lot earlier.
2: So as you're as you started like getting into technology, like how much of your previous background do you think influences like the way that you work, the way that you communicate, like the types of projects you work on? Like do you bring any of that creativity from your theater stuff into like your technical work?
0: Yes. And sometimes it gets me in trouble. And sometimes (laughs) it is a fabulous success. Um, So I think for me, a big light bulb moment. So I should also say I skipped a big part, which is um, after. So right after I saw that talk, I started learning how to program and then inevitably started getting Facebook targeted ads for boot camps because those were Big and hot and new back in 2015 2016, and so uh, I went to Hackbright Academy, which is this all female software engineering boot camp in San Francisco. Um, and I had this light bulb moment in the final week of the program, where basically Hackbright you you learn JavaScript and Python, and it culminates in this final project um, that you present. You know, we had a, a demo night and like a family and friends night where we would present it, and everyone in my cohort was so nervous to give this presentation. And I was looking around, everyone's like, what's wrong with you? You're like, <laughs> you're not sweating. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is the best, easiest part of the program. Like building this was hard. Talking about it in front of people, uh, that's easy. But that was a huge epiphany, right? Because I realized, oh, like most people in this industry hate public speaking, and they hate being on camera, and they really don't like to be in the spotlight. Um, But this has been my whole life up until this point. Like, I was 26 when I went to Hackbrite. So that really kind of showed me, like, wow, like, this is kind of a superpower in this industry. Like, I'm able to communicate things. Like, I may not be the most technical person, um, but I'm able to communicate and and, uh, explain very difficult concepts to people in an entertaining way. So it's come into light in a couple ways. I would say that my projects, Cecil, you probably, I mean, you both probably know this, are very quirky and strange. I build a lot of fun things like, while I've been at Microsoft, I've built a fake boyfriend app that uses the Twilio API um, and Azure to get you out of awkward social situations by calling your phone. Cause I was solving real life problems. Like I was going to conferences and I'm an ambivert and I didn't want to talk to everyone. So I wanted an excuse to leave. I do a lot of fun things like, Animal Crossing, turn up Timers, and like Mario Kart Astrology using the Microsoft Face API. And I think this really comes from my background as an entertainer because like I come into this world from the performing arts, from musical theater specifically. And if you know musicals, you know musicals are like so over the top and you're either hysterically crying or hysterically laughing. So I think about that a lot with my content. I'm really inspired by people like Danielle Baskin, who if you're not following her on Twitter, she's hilarious and incredible. She's the person who's doing the Twitter verified homes <laughs> that you can like sign up for and, like the, the masks with faces printed on them and stuff. And I really love this idea. Like this is a great example. Danielle Baskin used to go to tech conferences and kind of troll them. And I fell in love with this idea because I think that tech Is so strange. Like, that's why I love the TV show Silicon Valley because this industry is kind of a parody of itself and. I feel like a fish out of water in a lot of ways in it. But she went to Oracle Conference or Oracle World, I think it's called. And she made a separate website called like (laughs) Oracle something. And it was all for wizards (laughs) and like (laughs) looking for the Oracle and like made a completely separate conference. They all went to Oracle World dressed as like wizards and warlocks. (laughs) And they were like, we're looking for the Oracle. Or like she would go to like Salesforce Dreamforce and like. Have a camping gear and like set up a tent. Like, <laughs> I love this kind of stuff because I feel the same way. I'm just like, all of this stuff is so ridiculous. So when I worked at Century, which was the second developer relations job that I had, I was tasked with putting together a meetup. And if you've ever been to a tech meetup before, you know how awful they can be. Like I had been to so many. My first job was at a Docker CI CD company called Codefresh, and that world was really interesting because most people who work in CICD stuff were older white men. And when I would give a talk, they would take one look at me. For the, Podcasts are famously a visual medium. So I'm a five foot two white, currently with bright orange hair, <laughs> usually blonde lady. Like I look like someone's daughter or wife, like usually if they are going to assume what I do at these events. And it was super annoying. And I, you know, had a thick skin through a lot of it. But if you've ever been to a meetup before... It's usually, you know, fluorescent lights and maybe there's some beers and a cold pizza and a pretty monotonous speaker. And I and I got really tired of going to these events when I was working in Silicon Valley proper. So when I worked at Century, I was basically given this budget of like a couple hundred dollars, which in theater world is like millions of dollars, right? Because <laughs> in theater, you're lucky to get a budget for a show for like... $100 or even 50 for that matter, or any money. So I basically was tasked with making this meetup and I was like, let's make it fun. So I made it camp themed. We made it, we shot a commercial for it. And the whole point of it was it was gamified. So we called it the Century Scouts and everyone had commemorative patches and stickers. We had 12 during the year. So you would come, each month would have a theme. So we'd have open source or DevOps or arts and technology. And my whole thought process with it was, if we make something fun that people enjoy, like almost like a show. So really, I was just buying props and set pieces. You know, we had um, really like people were like, how did you think of this? And I'm like, honestly, it was pretty simple. Like we just had like a chocolate fondue place where you could like have marshmallows. And like we had like spiked chocolate and Girl Scouts would sell Girl Scout cookies at it. And it was people thought like, wow, this is this crazy endeavor that you've done. And I'm like, no, I literally (laughs) was given a couple hundred dollars and thought to myself, how can I kind of gamify this and make this more fun and when i look back on it that was a show like that was a whole performance like we'd have to cast it and pick the speakers that would be on our panel we would have a you know almost like a concession stand because we would have like snacks and stuff there one time we had like drake's beer came and they had like a raccoon that <laughs> walked around and like talks to people our swag was really fun we had um we were ahead of our time we had hand sanitizer that we called bug repellent because sentry is a bug reporting software so it really was and i ended up winning an award for it and i think it's so funny it's the only award i've ever won in my entire life and i'm so humbled by it i i'm so proud of this it sits on my desk but i always think to myself like i literally got an award for just making something super boring kind of fun (laughs) like like and i think that's what i think about a lot in tech is like you know yeah, like Azure functions are cool. But like, how do you make this, especially working on the academic team with students? Like, how do we add Animal Crossing for this to make them pay attention? Or how do we, I have a friend who's making a BTS app right now for that band. And I think the more that you're able to like, make people laugh, like I used to give a keynote, that's literally about the ROI of LOLs and why it's important to have a sense of humor in tech. And I think it's super important. And I'll say that, like, sometimes it doesn't, (laughs) go well with people. Like I've had many times in my life where people are like, okay, tone it down. This is a little too quirky, but that's just me. I'm just such a weirdo. (laughs) And I don't think I would survive as a woman in tech working at a large company like Microsoft if I wasn't able to have a sense of humor. So I try to bring pieces, like so many pieces of my performing arts background into tech. But the one that I think is most important is just like entertainment, really. Like We, coming from this world where everything is entertainment to like, oh my God, I just had to listen to someone give a talk on Kubernetes for 40 minutes and his tone did not change the whole time. (laughs) Like, I used to see some bad community theater, but I'd rather watch like a very terrible production of The Music Man than have to see someone talk about Kubernetes for two hours on a live stream with no inflection in their voice. Like, it really, <laughs> there's so much crossover. <laughs> <laughs> like, like seriously, like, imagine me going from, like, this is like 2016, that I, or I got my first job in 2017. And I was like thinking back to like the year before that, I was literally singing, dancing on stage and how to succeed in business without really trying that like got panned by the reviewers, like terrible. Like I, they said great things about me. This review literally said, how to succeed doesn't. Like literally the newspaper article <laughs> said that. And I went to this event. I want to say it was in Fremont or something. And I had to listen to this guy, uh, like just give this really boring talk about some technology. And I remember sitting there being like, I would rather watch that show that I was in that got the bad reviews than be watching this talk and I think about that a lot. Like I don't think we sign and assign enough value to you know making content engaging and interesting. Like how do we get people to watch it? So as a devrel now, uh, I use that part of my brain a lot. Like how do we actually get these people interested? And I think Cecil and I do that a lot with our Microsoft student ambassadors. We're like, okay, like how do we make this fun and engaging and like something that they actually want to participate in versus like how to automate your you know, (laughs) your pipeline with Azure, like, yes, there are things that are fundamental and that you need to know to get into this industry. But I think the key, it's kind of like the spoonful of sugar technique, you really have to um, kind of secretly make them learn. And that's the trick with kids television, too.
2: Yeah, if you think about it, and you look at the audience of folks that that has like the key to this knowledge, like they're typically pretty, boring people <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. I want to talk about like the gears and the the buttons and the things like that and they're not interested in very colorful creative musical rhythmic expressions of communication yeah but now when we look at the world now and we're trying to get more younger folks interested in these things we're trying to get you know kids interested in science and technology like we have to appeal to them in a very creative way Right, and the way that you can do that is is using like those types of techniques versus being like, well, you know, here's a blank piece of white paper and a pencil, and I'm just gonna write down this super complicated formula, and you you just need to like understand it and regurgitate it.
0: Well, think about like the teachers that you've had that like influenced you the most, that got you into computer science, or even got you into art there's always those certain educators in your life that make the learning fun. And if I can be that for someone like a young Chloe out there who knows nothing about computer science, then I've done my job. And you, you both have kids. So like, I'm sure that you've attended at some point in your life, or at least watched like an episode of Sesame Street or like, and those shows have songs and lots of bright colors and like, all of these different memory hooks to get kids to learn and there's science behind that like I used to do Mm -hmm. children's theater and oh my god there's not enough Red Bull in the world to like (laughs) give me enough energy to like work in children's theater again but like something that I think about a lot is we now live in an age where we are addicted to our phones like even pre-pandemic I'd be in a meeting and I'd just be itching to look at my phone and I think adults are the same way like I think that we need to make content visually stimulating and fun and interesting, and we'll be more willing to learn, which has been like, honestly, the, the joy of streaming like i've discovered streaming during the pandemic and it's interactive and it's fun and like we can kind of be goofy and and interesting and entertaining on it yeah i just think we really take for granted like adults need entertainment too like <laughs> we we deserve to be entertained there's a reason that at the end of the day we're not sitting down and watching a bunch of you know used docker videos we're watching wandavision we're watching like all this <laughs> right. we don't want to do this stuff so if there's that's why I'm really, really excited now that I'm. Uh, I just bought a new Canon camera and a new laptop, and I'm starting to film uh, sketch comedy content that's tech related. And I don't see anybody really doing that, and it makes me really excited because you know, like for example, this is an exclusive, an exclusive. <laughs> um, but I'm very public online about my experience as a woman in tech because it's not great. Like I, I deal with some weird shit as a woman in tech, and um, I'm starting a new series called Master Creep Theater where I'm going to be reading my DMs in a masterpiece theater style reenactment (laughs) (laughs) to demonstrate how freaking weird this is. Because I could just go out there and I could like tweet out, like, look at all this horrible stuff that I'm experiencing, which I do. But I think adding like a layer of education on that of like, hey, look at how stupid you look when you just message a woman, hey, beautiful, or like, I had a guy message me yesterday asking if I was an alien, like, maybe this is a little weird. So I really think there's something to be said for like putting educational content or even learning content regardless of age in a fun, interesting format. Like that's what Schoolhouse Rock was and that's how I know how Congress works. So like it should work for anything.
1: We should show Congress Schoolhouse Rocks. Maybe they could figure it out how it works. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. exactly.
1: <laughs> so, so, you know, Cecil, one of our former um, uh, guests... Uh, actually, he he does what what you're talking about, Chloe, which is try to make tech content more fun. And it's Brent, the gentleman I work for, but he had a a, a session where Bob Dylan explains D B for Super <laughs> Server. And so he would have the wig, he'd have the the harmonica, and oh he would gosh. talk like Bob Dylan the entire time. Yeah, I
0: love that. Well, yes. at first I thought you meant because there was I forget who it was, but do you remember early? In the pandemic, I keep going at the Panera, earlier in the Pancetta, <laughs> um, I want to say it was, oh my God, I don't remember what company it was, but someone, some company for their conference bought a bunch of cameos from celebrities and had them read copy about their product. And it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen because it was like, you know, people like, uh, you know, not The Rock or anything like that, but it's it'll be like...
1: D-less, it's list celebrities.
0: <laughs> it like know? Sean Paul being like, yeah, make sure that your are wireframe, blah, 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 like talking about things they don't even know. Um, and I think like we like Corey Quinn is a great example of this. Corey Quinn's one of my dear friends. He basically works as a consultant and his job is to troll AWS and AWS hires him freelance and stuff to come and give talks about it. He has a whole newsletter called like and podcast called screaming into the cloud where like literally his job is to just kind of troll AWS. And I love that like because there's an audience for that. We're all working with this stuff. And all of my tweets that perform the best are always things where I'm like, making fun of things in tech. And it's not because I hate tech. It's just because I, 26 years of my life, I didn't know any of this stuff. And there's stuff that I come into this industry and I'm just like, wait a second, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're telling me that there's this thing called engineering levels and they're all different at every single company. And there's no way, like there's all these like things that I've experienced as someone as a fish out of water where I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Whiteboarding's a thing. What? Like, (laughs) Excuse me? And I think. That having that outside view has been really interesting to like have a perspective on.
1: You know what scares me, Cecil? What? Tell me. Is that she said she hadn't been in tech for twenty six years and I've been in tech longer than twenty six. <laughs> <laughs> you I remember making fun of all the grey beards talking about, you know, mainframes and COBOL and how bad it was with punch cards. And I've become the gray
0: beard. <laughs> I have become the gray beard. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it's, it's interesting, too, because, you know, Cecil and I work on the academic team. And I now work with university students, like during my day job. And it's funny, because like, I didn't go to school for computer science, I went to school for theater. And in a weird way, I get to sort of. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Never Been Kissed or like, what is it, yeah, 22 yeah. Jump Street. But in a weird way, I feel like I'm doing this all backwards. Like, <laughs> I had this whole like other career, like, I am an adult human woman. But also, for context, I should tell the listeners, I look very young. Like, I played mostly teenagers when I was an adult. And when I was a kid, I looked too young to even play a kid. So it's this weird kind of. I get to kind of view it from the inside from a corporate view of like how we deal with universities and how we deal with educating students so i get to see a lot of interesting perspectives of how to enter this industry because I am a boot camp grad. I have mentees that are self-taught. Um, I work with university students, and there's so many different ways for people to get into this industry. And what I found from working in all of these different things, and I think what makes me so passionate about you know, wanting to eventually work a lot more in children's television programming is I see a common theme here, which is most kids, quote unquote, you know, these university students who are are going to a four year college for computer science, have a very similar story, like they had parents who were engineers, or they just happened to have a a class or a teacher that really inspired them to want to do computer science. And my if I can do anything to this industry, it would be to make sure that those kids, those Chloe's out there who are be it they're at a soccer game, or they're, you know, at a performing arts camp right now. Well, not now, but like maybe an online one. Um, Know that this exists, because I think that there's a huge, huge, huge barrier to entry for folks who just don't have exposure to computer science. And like, even just having that on any kind of pop culture stuff, like I think is a good step in the right direction. So... Gosh, I anybody out there working at Nickelodeon or Disney Channel, please add more non-binary and women's characters to your television programs because it's just not out there. It doesn't there's not a lot of it. I see a little bit of change, but there's not a whole lot of it.
1: 21 Jump Street, the movie. No, I saw the series when it was aired. Okay.
0: <laughs> the Udacity nice. of it all. That's my other thing I keep saying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the udacity. Nice. I like that
2: oh my gosh this is this has been crazy and i feel like we could keep talking for like another hour
1: but we need to cut (laughs) this is like this like it's like a backward show it's usually we talk about the person first and then we talk about everything else (laughs) but but this is away from the keyboard this is exactly what we do the keyboard right well
0: and it's it's really like if you had asked me gosh let's like go back in time like when i graduated from college in 2011 like Hey, it's me from the future. You're working as a senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. I'd be like, "Are you high? Like what <laughs> are you even talking about?" Because if if you talked to me in 2011, I thought an engineer was like a dude in a white lab coat with a hammer putting a computer together. Like I literally I didn't know what any of this stuff was. I had to Google what STEM was on the first day of my boot camp because I had never heard that term before. And I think like I am very public about, you know, how, what my journey has been to this, but I recently tweeted this image that I, I had pinned to my profile for a while that we had up in the bathroom at Hackbrite and it's the iceberg of success. And I think it's, it's somewhat, uh, an illustrator or something Duckworth um, made it, but it's the tip of the iceberg and it's like what everyone sees. And it's like the accolades, the success, the promotions, blah, 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 blah. And then like the bottom of the iceberg the failure, the discipline, the rejection, like falling on your face. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people online get really annoyed with like how loud and proud I am about coming from a boot camp and my non-traditional background. But I do that because I have so many people who reach out to me all the time who are like, I found you on Twitter, I found you on YouTube or whatever. And I am a dairy farmer who's like learning how to code. The more that we can show people they can do this, because I'm super privileged. I have a boyfriend who works in this industry, who has helped me like as a mentor to get me to like, if I didn't have that guidance, I would not be here. And so if I can somehow open that door a little bit wider and like help people come in, I'm like, please, please, like we need more quirky, weird, strange people (laughs) working with me in this industry. My dear friend Lorena, who uh, I've been streaming with on Mondays, she just graduated from Hackbright as well. She is a professional Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey circus clown who traveled the world by train and like worked as a clown professionally, lived in Japan as a clown, and is now trying to get her first programming job. And I think about the people like that, who are like, they've had a completely life, different life before this, like, how do we, how do we get these people in? And so I just love going down these tangents of like, what got you here? Like, I'm always shocked when I I mentor a lot of non-traditional background folks and there's so much rejection because recruiting software or recruiters or someone sees their resume and they're like, what the... Okay, like they would look at my resume back in the day and be like, "Okay, Disney Channel or Disney Store employee, J Crew employee, you were a children's birthday party entertainer for a couple years. You worked at the Chinatown YMCA. What are you doing here? Like, what's what the heck is going on?" And I think what what I would love to see change in the industry is instead of getting rejected, that people are bringing these candidates and being like, "Okay, circus clown turned engineer." tell me about this because this is weird and I love it. And like, how do we, <laughs> like, that's how it should be. But we've got we've got some ways to go with that, I think. But um, I hope to help with that a little bit.
2: <laughs> so if you, if you could give like those folks, like those folks that I didn't go to college for computer science and I don't have a CS degree or, you know, I don't have a family that grew up with like tons of computers around me, but I want to get into the industry today. And, you know, maybe I'm, I'm not a teenager anymore and I'm a little bit older in my life. What kind of advice do you think that you'd give those people today?
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because I heard something recently where someone said the average person has like five to eight different, I don't know, job changes or careers during their life. And I think for me, like if I think back to where I was mentally back in like 2015, so I was working as an office manager at PAX Labs. Um, if you're familiar with the vape company Jewel, I was working for them. And I was really, going through it. like I I hated my job. I spent a majority of my time unpacking LaCroix and putting it into a fridge and having a bunch of engineers, or not engineers, I shouldn't say that. Um, a bunch of folks just just asked me like, hey, you know, my dog peed over here. Can you clean it up? Or like, hey, is this pizza gluten-free? Can you call the pizza company and like see if it... So it was a very thankless job. Um, and it, I had a weird Cinderella complex because by day I was cleaning up people's conference room messes and like crying in the bathroom and like just really going through it but by night i was on stage like getting thunderous applause and standing ovations and so i I felt like clark kent i was like what is this like i hate this this thing that i love to do i i'm not getting paid for (laughs) and uh or not paid enough for i should say so um my advice to people would be find what it is like i see a lot of people who Go to a boot camp, um, you know, and I should also say not all boot camps are created equally. So make sure you do your research on online programs and boot camps first. But I think a lot of people go into a boot camp and they think, "Oh, I'm going to go to this program and I'm going to be a junior developer," which is fine. Like I think that's a that's a great route for a lot of people. But what I wish I would have known um, before coming into this industry or even during my boot camp is there are so many roles in tech beyond just Plain old developer. Like there's sales engineering, there's developer advocacy, there's so many ways to contribute as a technical person with these skills that you bring from your previous background. So, my advice to people is always find what it is that makes you unique and special in this industry. For me, my Uh, I always refer to it as my gimmick. There's this musical called Gypsy, where, long story short, (laughs) you'll have to go see it. It's one of my favorite musicals. There's a great movie of it with Bette Midler. But there's a scene in Act Two where there's these three burlesque stripper performers, and they're singing this song called You Gotta Get a Gimmick. And it's all about finding what makes you special. So it's these three old strippers, and they're like, my specialty is I play the trumpet. And this other lady's like, you know, my specialty is my costume lights up. And the other one's like, I used to be a ballet dancer, so I do ballet in my strip. And so I think About that song a lot, and I give a talk that's called Finding Your Gimmick in Tech because um, for me, my gimmick was oh shit, like. I am really good at public speaking. I know how to make things entertaining. Um, I, I have this marketing background kind of from having to market myself as a a entity and as an actor. So as soon as you find like those things, I think most people's path into DevRel is very different. They work as a developer for many years and they start doing more, um, community work and talks and, you know, content. They kind of wake up one day and they discover they're a DevRel. But again, like. I was super, super lucky and I learned what developer relations was and that's where I made my entry into this industry. But I would encourage anybody looking to make a career change to think about, like, I think the tendency is always, okay, I'm leaving my life as an actress behind or I'm leaving my life as a dairy farmer behind or I'm leaving my life as a clown behind and never looking at it again. But really, like, you can utilize those skills. I think my mentee, PJ, is a great example of this. Um, I've been mentoring a high school teacher who's looking to um, get their first job in tech. He actually has one of his final interviews today. I think just taking those skills, like you are an educator, you're a high school teacher, and you have to make concepts interesting and engaging for these kids, like Great Gatsby and all this stuff, do that in tech, like translate that to tech with, you know, whatever it may be, an API that you're selling for a startup, whatever it is. But the my, my advice would be, I would want to discourage people from totally eliminating their previous life. Like, that's actually kind of your superpower in this industry. Because if you're coming into this tech as a junior dev at 26, like I was, it's not like you're some intern who's never had a job before. Like, and that's hard to communicate to recruiters, too. Like, I'm not some fresh faced, like, straight out of college kid. I've worked in the corporate world, I've worked, you know in this industry per se, but really what you need to do in your cover letter, in your resume, in the way that you present yourself and introduce yourself to people or even talk about yourself is highlight those skills. Like kind of be like, hey, yes, like that this is how I sold myself as a dev when I was first interviewing. I basically said, look, I'm not the most technical candidate that you are gonna interview. Like I just got out of a boot camp. <laughs> I'm I just know Python and JavaScript. Here's the project that I built. However My public speaking skills are up here. So you can teach me the technical stuff, but you can't really teach someone the 20 plus years that I have in like, you know, entertainment and being able to like explain concepts on stage. So it's led to a really interesting path that I never in a million years thought I would find myself on. But I think the key truly is just finding what makes you unique and how to leverage those previous skills like into your into your new life and they pop up in really weird ways too
2: <laughs> nice nice Oh, well, hey chloe this is this has been awesome man like i really want to thank you for coming on the show and if people want to reach out to you they want to know what is chloe up to where can i find her like where our streams are like where do they need to go to find out like where that stuff is happening
0: yeah. So I'm on Twitter um, as Chloe Condon. I'm on Twitch as Chloe Condon. Um, I'm on Instagram as getforked, um, i I'm waiting for uh, <laughs> Chloe Condon on Instagram's boyfriend to propose to her so I can finally have the same uh, handle on everything. Um, but yeah, I'm always doing quirky weird you know I'm, I'm doing a lot of crafting stuff on my twitch and a lot of live coding um i'm tweeting out weird programming stuff on twitter but yeah by uh reach reach out through all the various channels
2: <laughs> awesome well this has been great chloe thank you so much for for checking
1: it out um
2: and richard you got anything else you want to ask before we go man i don't want to uh
1: no i have nothing to ask for <laughs> the uh, fifth member of the cheetah girls <laughs>
0: Oh, if only.
2: (laughs) That's awesome. Well, hey, Chloe, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me. We'd
2: like to thank Chloe for being a guest on the show. It was great to have the opportunity to chat with her. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com.
1: Also remember to check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AFTKpodcast. And on our Twitter at AFTKpodcast. You can follow me at Twitter at Joris, J-O-R-I-S-S, and Cecil at Cecil Phillip. You can subscribe to the show via the website, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, or on iTunes or the podcast app, whichever one they're doing this, these years. And next, on Away from the Keyboard, we'll
2: have Adrian Tack. And Adrian, I think, still works at MongoDB, where she's a developer advocate also. So this should be a really cool conversation with her as well.
1: It was. A, it wasn't should. It was, it was good. I enjoyed it.
2: Okay, leave now. Bye.
1: (laughs) Back end of a cow! We want to thank you for listening to Away From The Keyboard.
0: As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at AwayFromTheKeyboard.com. Hasta luego.
1: Okay, you're gonna you're gonna love this. All right. So I was a part of the I was a part of the CP program, but not really, because I was a tech intern. So it was like this joint venture with them. Um so I didn't work in the park, I worked backstage.
0: I okay, worked in, yes. I
1: worked actually at, at headquarters at Team Disney. I should um, also
0: say I did my first job ever was working at the Disney store. So I'm very familiar with backstage box yep. office cast yep. member. <laughs>
1: Yeah and it and it even flows through the corporate. Right right. Yeah. I mean I mean like like literally I worked next to the Casting Castle. There's big <laughs> words out there casting and it was a literal castle, okay? Oh my god. Uh and that that was my my first summer there that was my we were building an HR system for casting. So I got to go over there all the time. I I got to one of the uh the HR um like the head of HR, her um her daughter was one of the the tech people. He went around and helped fix PCs and stuff like that. And so I we actually took all the interns and and just stayed at her uh, her beach condo <laughs> like one weekend. It's like yeah, let's just all go out. I was like okay, yeah.
0: Ah, yeah. the casting castle. Yeah, yeah, it
1: was crazy. Um, <laughs> but here's but but here's here's mine. And this was back in uh, this was back in ninety, I want to say ninety six. So this is right before the year before they did the pink castle. Oh, the
0: which they should have kept is the best castle.
1: Are you, I, 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 I'm gonna hang up now because <laughs> you are so so terribly wrong. <laughs> Do you know the guests? The, the guests were just so. You know, it's like I saved up for ten years to come to Disney and I want to get a picture in front of the castle and it's a cake. And so <laughs> many, and they had to comp so many people. It was ridiculous. Oh
0: my god. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and now, you know, it was it, the cast hated it, just hated it. So um, I have
0: a confession. I have never been to Disney World, only the land. I've been to Universal Orlando because I spoke at a conference two years ago there and I went yep. to a NASA event, but I've never been to the world. So
1: the, the world is 100 percent different than land. I OK, mean, it, it's it's literally its own um, municipality. Like w- when they created it, they created the municipality first, and then they built Disney World on top of that. Wow! Right, so they they literally are their own city, um, and it's 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 worked as such. I mean, there is. I mean, it's massive. From to get to meetings, we actually get, had to get in a car and drive like fifteen <laughs> minutes. It's
0: like Microsoft.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so this, I, I will. I, we typically let the guests talk, but I, since <laughs> you would enjoy this story, you will you will okay, love this Okay, yes, story. yes. So this was um, my first introduction uh, to Disney. We, you know, I drive up to Orlando because I'm from Miami. drive to Orlando. We get settled in at, at Vista K. They, they own the actual apartment, so you pay Disney for, for living there. <laughs> so they, they have you a day-and-a-half class of traditions, okay? Yes. And it's where they sprinkle the Disney pixie dust on you okay they they kind of give you the history of the company and what's expected, and they go through the the rule book, which is pretty large um, the whole the whole thing right so that was an entire eight hour day. The next day you come back and then they do a guest experience inside of well in, and the magic kingdom right so you all meet they do they do another hour worth of thing and then you go off uh to uh, the Magic Kingdom. Now, you walk in backstage, okay? Mm-hmm. So, you go through your Tullo doors, you, you, you go in, and then we walk around, had to take our name tags off. We're all wearing ties. Everyone knows we freaking work there, right? <laughs> so, we're walking around, and they're explaining, we ride a ride, and, right, and we're talking about it and, and they're showing all this other stuff, and then we go for lunch. So, we go downstairs, right? So, downstairs is the first floor of, of Disney World. They don't have that at <sighs> Disneyland. So, it's where all the tunnels are. And it's okay. how people get okay. from one place to another in Walt Disney World. So we go into the cafeteria there and we go by the character zoo where they they they're, they're getting dressed for all the characters and they're, they're doing all this stuff. And so I go and I get my my lunch and I pay for it and I sit down and I look up and Cinderella is straight in front of me, <laughs> straight in front of me. And I'm like, oh, my God. And she has, she has um, half of her dress off, right? So the big poofy part is gone. Right. She, her, her face is perfect, as always. And she's sitting there dragging on a cigarette. <laughs> and I'm like, the magic is gone. It is Such done. Such no <laughs> magic. I mean, and that was literally like a microcosm of my experience working at Disney World. It's everything looks perfect, but you're dragging on that cigarette.
0: Oh my god! I'll have to send y'all some pics after this of when I played Fiona in Shrek the Musical because it was the same thing. It was like after the sh- like during the show, after the show, all the magic like signing autographs, kissing babies, and then me backstage just like fanning myself like in my bra, just like oh god, it's hundred degrees in Oakland, like the magic is gone. Just eating flaming hot Cheetos while I watch like The Bachelor backstage. Just yeah, none of it's real. It's all fake. <laughs>
1: So where did you lose control, Cecil?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm, like, back here with my popcorn. I'm, like, oh, I'm going to listen to these two (laughs) Disney folks, like, talk about
0: Disney. I just, you know, it's so funny because it was, honestly, y'all, my dream. Like, I was, like, Disney or bust. All I want to do is Disney. And as soon as I, like, started working on that dream, I was, like... Maybe I should change my dream. Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe it should be a little different. But I still love everything Disney. I mean, Cecil will tell you, I've been like watching all of the back episodes of the dinosaurs. I still have all of my the dinosaurs action figures and stuff. So it's like such a big part of my life, like all of that stuff. And I I love it all. I equally love it. And I'm like, how is this all still in my brain i need to make room for regex or something more important
1: (laughs) our brains aren't big enough for regex
0: (laughs) yeah that's true
1: (laughs) our brains are 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 wired to relearn regex every time we use regex
0: absolutely yeah that's canon
1: (laughs) actually i still have my name tags too
0: (gasps) oh i think i have my two somewhere Somewhere in this. Can home. you
1: still use those? Can we, can you like show up at Disney and be like, I still work here and show them your name tags? Oh they're they're dude, that was <laughs> that was back in the nineties, man. They're all faded and they're yellowed. They they still say Richie and University of Miami underneath it, you know.
0: <laughs> you know, Brandon Minnick's wife, I think, Cecil, all, I think she also did the Disney College program, but in did hospitality. She? Um yeah. we're really good friends with them and like her long-term goal is to open a B and B, and I'm like, oh, okay, that Disney college program's a little translatable to that. I see it. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, it it was like living in a uh, frat house <laughs> living at Disney. It, literally, it was like that.
2: And so, while when you were at Disney, Richie, like, what exactly were you doing there?
1: I'm guessing you weren't an actor and you weren't like putting on costumes and stuff. No, my first summer, I was um, building a database. Um, of all the equipment that we need to be upgraded for Hollywood studios for this application. Um, yes, it was Hollywood Studios. They were actually filming from the earth to the moon at that, at that, uh, at that time. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I got to, and it's rare that you know, from, from at least from what I was told that interns get full security clearance. We got full security clearance. We could go wherever <sighs> we wanted. We parked wherever we wanted. We could do, and we would get looks, right? So you you'd pull up backstage to the Hollywood studios, and you know you have a sticker on your car, and they should just wave you in. And they would look, they'd stop you, and they look at you, and then you you don't you don't roll down your window. You're just like, come on, dude, let me in, you know. And you're just <laughs> and, the, and the old white dude's just looking at you like, come on, you're too young for this. And I'm like, just let me in, dude. And he finally would just let you in, and you could park wherever you wanted. And it, it was it was kind of cool, you know that. But yeah, so um, I built that database, and for that. $20 million project, whatever. And then I went back the next summer and uh, did a, well, they they called it uh, three-dimensional databases. And now it's called data warehousing. So it was the original data warehousing um, project that they were doing on, uh, for costing, for uh, forecast and budgeting um, in, uh, in Walt Disney World. And I think that was Hollywood Studios as well and I take it back. Hollywood Studios was for the second one. The first one was really uh, the entire place. And then um, also for um, the hotel. What's the hotel? There was one of the hotels was was our main pilot program for that as well.